I'm Dorinda Wilson, and I am excited that you are here joining me today because I have a very special guest. As you all know, um, I take topic requests from moms, and I have received a lot of requests to talk about dyslexia. It seems to be something that is getting to be fairly common, and it can be a little bit daunting if you're homeschooling your kids, and uh, you really, maybe you have one or more that's dyslexic, and you're wondering how you're going to walk out this journey. I have Sarah Brown with me today, and I'm going to have her join me in just a minute, but before I do that, I want to let you all know that I will be speaking uh, in Winston-Salem at NCHE May 29th and 30th, and also at FPEA in Orlando May 24th to the 20th, oh, it's the 23rd to the 25th, I believe. So um, I'm excited about both of those conferences, and I am also excited that at the conference in Orlando, I will be able to meet Sarah. Sarah and I have talked a couple of times on the podcast, and I actually get to see her in real life come May, so I am super excited about that. But uh, thank you, Sarah, for being here with us today to share your story about dyslexia with your kids. Uh, It's such a delight to be here, and I'm really excited both about the uh, conference in Orlando, the chance to meet you in person, and today's podcast, because it's just been an amazing journey with my dyslexic kids, and I love sharing it. Oh, I'm so glad you're here, and you certainly have a lot of experience under your belt, and I know the moms are really going to benefit from your words of encouragement. So if you guys are um, enjoying listening to these podcasts, um, please leave a review and share it with your friends. My main goal is to just encourage as many moms as possible. And um, and that is one of the reasons I wanted to have Sarah on here today. I would love for you, Sarah, to just sort of jump in and tell us about uh, about your kids with dyslexia. I, I, I'm assuming you probably will start with your oldest, Anna. You've got quite a story to tell there. Um, if you could just share in a nutshell just sort of your experience with her, um, maybe sharing, starting out how and when you realized that she was dyslexic. Okay. Real quick, I've got to turn off on the do not disturb because my family people are pinging me. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's <laughs> okay. Well, yes, let me, uh, you know, I really didn't uh, give any kind of bio here, but um, Sarah has Fifteen children, is that correct, Sarah? Yes. Okay, yes. I've got the do not. Okay. And you can still right. <laughs> so now you okay. know why her phone is pinging like crazy, right? She has fifteen kids. Ten are biological, and five are adopted from the Ukraine. Is that yes. right? Yes. So, um, yeah, we just welcomed five more children into our family one year ago. It's been an amazing journey. So our children range in age from four years old. To 20, our oldest is married, and he is still a missionary in Ukraine with his wife. And the rest of us picked up and moved to Hawaii because, well, it's a dream and you might as well live it. So Absolutely. Um, and I would be all about the tropical weather as opposed to the snowy yeah. weather. <laughs> yeah. So it's we've been here almost a year now, and it's been amazing. So um, my oldest daughter, Anna, is uh, is the first one that we discovered is dyslexic. And it's really an amazing story. So, um, 
So should I just start telling Anna's story? Go ahead then? and start. Like when you first started to realize something is different about this girl, and I'm not sure what it is. All right. So my first child, Isaac, he was like the ideal little homeschool student. We had everything planned to do like classical and Montessori homeschooling. And we set up our one room schoolhouse with the chalkboard and all the little desks. And when he, he when he turned four, he was so excited about doing school that we got started on teach your child to read in 100 easy lessons. And he just thrived with it. And um, he was he was reading when he was five and just, he just got it. And I thought, oh, good. I'm such a good homeschool mom. My five-year-old can read. And I thought everything was going to be fine. I had it all figured out my first year of homeschooling. And then came Anna. And so when uh, I could tell that uh, she wasn't going to be ready to read at age four like Isaac was because she was my wild child. She could not sit still for 10 seconds. Unless, of course, she was drawing or painting. But usually even then she was painting on a wall or drawing on, you know, drawing on the sidewalk. She was just this active, everywhere, busy child that had absolutely no interest in anything that looked like school. So um, I started out with her by really focusing kind of on a Montessori kind of preschool, kindergarten. And um, then when she was about five and a half, I opened up the teach your child to read 100 easy lessons, and that did not work. And so I said, okay, well, it's all right. We can try again later. So when she was six, I got it out again, and um, she was obviously not ready. So I started trying all kinds of other reading methods on her, and nothing worked. Phonics made no sense to her. Uh, she would get upset. She would get angry. She would cry. She would get one word correct one day. And then like the next day she forgot it. And when she was seven, we tried again and we tried again with teach your child to read a hundred easy lessons. And we did lesson one and two about 30 times and she could never remember any of it. Mm -hmm. And, um, so now she's seven and I'm getting concerned. My in-laws are getting concerned. My husband's getting concerned. And trying to teach Anna to read is becoming my obsession. And I'm really having a lot of guilt knowing that I'm just doing something wrong. And the challenge was Anna was obviously a brilliant child. So it didn't appear that she had any like learning disabilities. She was active, smart, imaginative. The funny thing was she could do math in her head. Like amazing. Like she could she could add and subtract and multiply and divide in her mind uh really easily and I just couldn't understand why this bright little girl couldn't learn how to read. So one day um it's getting close to her ninth birthday and um Family is starting to say, you really need to have her tested. You need to get her into uh, into the local public school. They have a special program for kids who are struggling. You don't have what it takes to homeschool a struggling learner 
or you're, you're doing something wrong. I also had five or six kids by the time Anna was eight. And so people were beginning to say, well, you're just too busy with the babies that you're neglecting to teach Anna. So I got her into after school tutoring and at home I kept, um, trying to do flashcards with her one day beautiful day in early spring we were sitting under a tree in the backyard and I had made a new set of flashcards more colorful more bright more pretty and um, I was trying to teach her the difference between lowercase d and the lowercase b and she looked at me and she said mom I'm never going to see the difference between a lowercase d and a lowercase b so why don't you quit trying to teach me it doesn't matter anyway i don't need to learn to read and to write because i'm going to be an artist and i'm going to be a mom <laughs> and so i really don't need to learn and i was quiet for a minute and i said anna god wouldn't have given us the bible unless he was going to give us the ability to be able to read it and i prayed and like god give me wisdom for this child. I don't know what to do. And so I signed her up for more after school tutoring and she was going and it wasn't. So I took her to the tutoring, the after school tutoring. It was beginning to cause a little bit of embarrassment and shame for her being almost nine and she can't even read a simple word like dad or cat or fish even though she's been trying and now she's really even trying and uh, came to the conclusion that she'll never learn. And so we, there was a um, substitute tutor that one day and, and this substitute turned out to be a dyslexia specialist. And she spent a lot of time with Anna that day and she went ahead and evaluated her and she called me in the, um, the office after Anna's session and she said, you know, all these workbooks, this tutoring, this method, everything you've been trying, it's never going to work. It's not going to work for Anna because she's dyslexic and there's no cure for that. And that's what she told me. And I'm mm -hmm. feeling like so panicked, like my child has a disease and there's no cure for it. Right. And, uh, and it was really scary. And I've, and I began to, you know, get, really hopeless I'm like going to God I'm like God I know that you want her to read because you gave us the Bible and she's a smart kid there's got to be a way to teach her how to read and I had already given up on trying to teach her to read myself we had decided that since she was really amazing with art and music that she would major in the arts and then we would take her to the tutoring and try to figure this out and so um, I, one day I, I was sitting with her at the table and she was really excited about the history of fashion. And, uh, later she published a, uh, homeschooling history journal on the, uh, history of fashion. But, um, but that day I was just watching her and she was drawing, uh, women and dresses from Jane Austen, a Jane Austen movie. Wow. And, uh, she had, um, uh, she had gotten some books from the library about the history of fashion, and she was really into drawing those dresses. They were so realistic. And I'm just amazed. I'm like, Anna, how are you doing this? And she's like, oh, mom, it's easy. I just look at the picture in the book. I imagine it in my mind. 
And then I look at the blank piece of paper and I just project the image onto the paper and I trace it. It's mm. so easy, mom, you should try it. Like, <laughs> you should try that, mom. <laughs> like, I'm thinking, oh, and she draws this beautiful, beautiful, realistic drawing. And then she writes her name backwards. Oh, at the bottom. gosh. Now, how old is she old. at this point in time? She is eight years old, almost eight nine. Old. Oh, wow. And, um, and so, like, there's, and so I'm watching this child. She's big vocabulary, smart kid, great storyteller, good with math, good with, good with art. But writing and reading, nothing. It's like her brain is not activating in that right. area. And right. so I'm like, God, there's got to be a way to use her gift, her gift in art, her gift in logic, her gift in solving puzzles. She was a real problem solver to be able to trick her maybe into learning how to read right? and write. <laughs> and so I was, I was just began to just study her. And um, really kind of went more into an unschooling mode at this point mm -hmm. and, um, and began to just study her and watch her and watch how, how she does what she does. And then one day it just came to me that I, could, I would draw these little logic drawings and make these little missing part puzzles and see if somehow I can teach her at least the difference between D's and B's and M's and W's that writing goes from, you know, goes from left to right. These kinds of concepts, she was terrible with like left and right, things like this. And I'm like, I've got, I'll make these little logic puzzles and I'll sneak all the letters into the logic puzzles and see if she can identify the letters as being different, the D's, B's, P's, Q's, as different if they're part of art. And so I began to draw these little robots that had D's, B's, P's, Q's, M's, and W's as part of their bodies. And I would ha do these little patterns and have her draw the missing parts. And she could do these without a second thought. Like they're like if the B's, D's, P's, and Q's were part of the robot's body, they're she had absolutely no issues at all with wow. identifying them and drawing them correctly. So I began to just draw all these little logic puzzles and logic games and have her draw the missing parts. And I began to add more and more letters into the, um, into the games and, and make less and less art. And after about a hundred of these little games, she, I had her doing patterns using just words with like a box around them, dad, bed, bib, pig, to see if she could now get the pattern right with the letters that she struggled with. And she did it without a second thought. Wow. Was, she was right through it. And right. <laughs> it, wow. was, it was amazing. So these, uh, so these games was, you played with her, are these the games that you offer on your site? Yeah. So this is what we call dyslexia games. Okay. Dyslexiagames.com. It's the actual um, 
types of games that I used with Anna when I was experimenting with her. And so immediately she had no issues. Like she was able to go from doing these logic games to reading simple comics. But I noticed that she could only read things if there was like a, like a speech bubble around it or if the letters were in a box or if they were underlined. And when she began reading real books, she would have like a pencil and she would underline every word as she went along. And I realized she was grounding the letters and grounding the words. And she said, well, if I underline it or circle it, they won't flip around. They stay, they stay. And at that point I had a flashback to my own childhood. So when I was in second and third, I was having a lot of trouble with reading, writing, and spelling, and I was really struggling. And um, and I had figured out that if I would doodle around the edges of my papers and my workbooks, that the words would sit still. And I remember when I was about seven or eight years old, when I would look at these workbooks, I would feel like I was on a boat. Mm. And I just... It was like almost like waves. And I just remember doodling all around the edges of my paper and then I wouldn't feel like I was on a boat anymore. And um, and the teachers didn't want me to doodle on my papers. And I ended up failing third grade myself because I was really struggling with reading and with writing and with spelling. In third grade, I was a D and F and lucky to see a C student. All the other kids were reading and writing and I could barely do it on a first grade level. But Mm. the teachers told my parents that I was a stubborn and lazy child that was unwilling to focus on my work. And they would tell my parents, well, she's intelligent, she's just stubborn and lazy. Where really, if if they would have known, if they would have understood, if it would have been, you know, year 2000 something, they probably would have identified me as dyslexic. But then if you are a dyslexic child and you're in a conventional public school, all they're going to do is make you basically do more kindergarten and first grade type of work instead of tapping into your talents and awakening your mind to read from a different perspective. Right, which is the beauty of homeschooling. Yes. And, and the, the fact that you took the, well, the fact that you took the time to be a student of your child, I tell moms that all the time, that this is really, really essential when we're homeschooling is that we are students of our kids and our kids are always changing as well. So even if they're not struggling with dyslexia or other, other issues, um, it's so wise as moms, homeschooling moms, to know where our kids are at all the time, to be able to uh, be connected with them in that way. And a lot of that happens just by observation and being aware of how they're responding to different things, whether it has to do with schoolwork or other things. Yeah. And, you know, I remember when I began homeschooling my own children, I looked back on my childhood and my experience in the public school, and I kind of blamed my problems of not being able to read and write and failing third grade as just not getting enough individual attention at school or something like that. So when my daughter had the same symptoms, I had a lot of guilt because, hey, I thought if I were homeschooling, then I wouldn't, my kids wouldn't have these problems like I had. Right. So then once 
uh, after about three months, I continued to do these little games with Anna and adding more games, especially the game Word Hunt. Uh, and that's another book in the Dyslexia game series. Uh, she began to read and write normal books. I mean, reading and writing for normal eight-year-old, nine-year-old girl. She began reading simple chapter books uh, like Boxcar Children and um, began to move on. She was a slower reader than her younger sister, but she could read. Right. And um, she didn't really read for pleasure yet, but she could do it. And um, she was beginning to build confidence and she didn't like writing. She was willing to do a little bit of copy work, but she was not willing to do any creative writing because her spelling was a disaster. Mm. And so I just began researching dyslexia. And what we discovered when we started, I actually started reading a lot of research and looking at research uh, that people had done on um, dyslexic people, brain research. And what was discovered was... Um, when a dyslexic person is trying to read and they're struggling with reading, there's an absence of activity in the left brain where normal people have activity when they're reading. But then when that same dyslexic person goes uh, through therapy and the dyslexic person learns to read, there is brain activity on the right side of the brain when they're reading rather than the left side. And, um, and so what I assume is that by using the art and logic, these more right brain activities to trick her into reading, we were giving her brain a fresh start because, you know, even when someone has brain damage, a different part of the brain can take over the activity that the damaged part of the brain was unable to continue to do. And so I believe that uh, dyslexia games captured that talent and that that really strong, healthy part of the mind of the dyslexic child where they were able to, um, you know, be creative and use creative logic and the part that's good at art to be able to take over the reading and the writing and the spelling. Wow. And the the neat thing that happened in the year following discovering dyslexia games and understanding dyslexia is I was kind of a um, leader of our homeschooling community in Indianapolis. And I'd always been really trying to hide the fact that I had a eight-year-old daughter who couldn't read a bit. And so uh, my son was just such a great student and my younger, the younger daughter she had, you know, no problems with reading, writing, and spelling, and and so, you know, they they were obviously doing great, but I was really kind of ashamed of having failed my daughter Anna. But then I realized, you know, I really wish someone would have talked to me and earlier and helped me understand that reading reading struggles could be related to dyslexia. So I began to open up and talk to more. Uh, to talk to people more about the issues Anna was having and what we did about it. And a lot of homeschooling moms began to open up to me and say, well, I do have one child who's nine years old and isn't reading, or I have a seven-year-old who 
who can't even read the word cat or even I have a 12 year old who's still reading on a first grade level and they finally are opening up and being honest with me about the child's struggle. And so I began to print up the games that I made for Anna and have them try it with their kids. Mm-hmm. And they had amazing success with, with their struggling learners. And so my husband and I decided we needed to make this available to the homeschooling community. And so we took a trip to Florida, spent three weeks. I went to a coffee shop and I created Dyslexia Game Series A and B, A for the uh, for the younger kids that are like still struggling with words like cat and dog and B for kids who could read words, maybe like farm or barn, but really still confusing things, terrible at spelling, terrible at handwriting, very slow readers. And, um, and then the first month that we released dyslexia, we, we sold probably 300 sets of games wow and had an incredible response and um now um we've had about eighty thousand kids we stopped counting about a year ago about a year ago it was about eighty thousand kids and of all those kids and we have a 110 percent money back guarantee that if it doesn't work for you in the first 60 days we'll give you 110 percent of your money back We've only had four people ask for that. Wow, that's amazing. And moms who are listening, you should know uh, we're doing uh, a giveaway. Sarah is going to be giving away um, the Dyslexia games that she mentioned earlier and also this series, um, A, B, and C. They're they're each separate. Um, So if you want to enter that, and I'll remind you at the end as well, make sure you leave a comment at uh, my my blog where this is posted, where this particular podcast is posted. I, I need it to be all in one place so that I can choose a winner from there. But uh, just put in there the whatever you're interested in receiving. And uh, we're going to, uh, Sarah has generously offered to do a giveaway. So and you have the A. The A is the five to about five to eight year olds, and the B is the eight to twelve year olds. And then you mentioned a C, which is for teens and adults, correct? And about two years after I leased A and B, we got a lot of requests for um, a series of dyslexia games that could be used for struggling teens and adults. And uh, because the series B was working for teens, but they thought that it was the theme was not interesting to them because series B has like an animal farm theme, which, you know, a lot of times eight to 12 year olds are passionate about animals. So with series B, I did a coffee shop theme. So, uh, so the teens really enjoy that. It's more relevant. That's great. Well, um, it's a little more detailed, right? Well, and tell us also, oh, before we move on, I'm going to let everybody know the the third thing is a surprise box of Thinking Tree books that has actually been created by Anna, your daughter, the one who you've been telling her story. And um, so kind of move forward. You've had some recent really exciting things going on with Anna. Can you kind of just sort of push through those years after you made the discovery and she started making progress and then sort of like make your way to the most recent um, accomplishment that she has uh, been enjoying. Yes. So Anna, 
we had begun allowing her to what we call major in the arts since she was six, seven years old. And um, she continued to major in the arts all through school. And um, we decided that we were going to really focus on her interests and focus on her talents and her gifts and her strengths. Mm -hmm. And so by majoring on, on art and music and things like that, we um, really gave her an education she absolutely loved. And so um, when she was about 14 years old, that was when we started creating more books to add to the Thinking Tree collection. And she began to get ideas for books she wanted to create. And so she uh, had begun writing poetry. And so her first, her first Thinking Tree book that she helped create was a book of, uh, of a bunch of poems about little animals to help kids to learn the sight words in a way that would work for dyslexic kids. Because she was telling me, Mom, all those books that people use besides dyslexia games, they don't make any sense to me. I want to make a book that kids like, you know, really creative kids would like. And um, so she made this little book uh, of a uh, hundred, a hundred words. We can link to it. It'll be in the prize basket. I can't even remember the name of her book now. And then she made a book on fashion history. And then she made a book about the 30 of the most amazing cities called Travel Dreams. And um, she just began getting really involved with me in publishing. And I just thought it was so funny that this child who told me she would never learn right. to read and write <laughs> an author. And her books went beyond the success of mine. And she began to publish these homeschooling books for creative kids that became very quickly bestsellers on Amazon. Right. And so if a mom wants to check those out, the funschoolingbooks.com, is that the website to go to? Funschoolingbooks.com. And if you're on Amazon, Look up Anna Miriam Brown, and you'll see all her projects. So, uh, okay, Anna, as time I'm going to let moms know that I'm going to go ahead and put those links in the podcast notes on on my uh, website, so they can go directly there. So I began to notice that Anna was getting more and more serious about poetry and songwriting and singing. And most of her songwriting and singing and poetry, she kept pretty quiet. But when you're becoming a songwriter and you're in your room at your piano and mom's cleaning the kitchen next door, mom starts to hear stuff. And so uh, I would often just kind of stand by her door and listen to these incredible songs that she was writing. And, um, and so I asked her if she would like singing and songwriting lessons as part of homeschooling. And now she's about 15. And she was really excited. So we hired a, um, a very, very talented Christian recording artist. Her name is Christine Dente, and I was her nanny when I was a teenager. Oh, wow. And she had a band in the 90s with her husband called Out of the Gray, and I used to tour with that band all over the United States and take care I of their remember. kids. I remember that band. Yeah, they were very popular on Christian radio back in the 90s, and so I was their nanny on tour, and um, so when I realized Anna 
was a talented singer songwriter, I contacted Christine and I'm like, Hey, um, would you be interested in doing voice and songwriting lessons with my daughter? And she's like, Hey, yeah, I have a little side business of doing Skype, uh, voice lessons. And so she began, uh, every week doing singing and songwriting lessons with Anna and Anna's talent was just exploding. Wow. And um, at the same time, Anna was saving up money from her bestseller books and what began to buy airplane tickets here and there to go on mission trips. She went to Peru. She went to Kenya. She went to like a 12 country tour in uh, Europe and began just in the summers and any time of the year as she got when she was 16, she went like in January, February to Africa. She began going on these mission trips and taking this little miniature piano with her. And she began writing. And in the middle of uh, just beginning to write, she uh, discovered a musical called Hamilton. And Anna had never been interested in history. But when she heard the musical Hamilton on her mission trip to Africa, she suddenly was interested in American history. And she had the thought, you know, if somebody would write a musical in this style about the Bible, she imagined that her generation would become more curious and more interested and open to the story of Jesus. I love and that. And felt like God was calling her to be the one to do it. And she was like, at first, it's like, no, there's no way I don't. I ha She hasn't studied music you know really seriously she studied singing and songwriting and you know that kind of thing but she had never actually like learned to play piano she said that because of the dyslexia reading notes on the piano was really hard for her even though she'd had a few lessons that she just uh would just kind of play by ear and so she really didn't feel like she had what it takes to you know compose a musical but then the songs just began coming to her and she would just be walking, taking a walk. And one of the songs from his story, the musical would just start playing in her mind and she mm. would write it down. She would sing it into her phone and then she would um, begin to share it with people. And so she just starts writing these songs and she didn't tell me about it. She didn't tell my husband about it. But once again, we're in the kitchen and we're hearing these songs coming out of her room. And my husband's like, what is that? And he's like, Anna, what's that song? And she's like, oh, it's just one of the songs I wrote. And it was the song from his story, the musical called Matthew. And my husband just stopped. He's like, OK, this is serious. This is really serious. Let's let's help her. Let's figure out what she's up to and help her get it done, whatever it takes. Mm, I love that. I love that. This again, this is just the beauty of homeschooling, just being that connected to your kids, um, just encouraging that love of learning, however that needs to happen. Like, I love that you decided, you know, we're not going to focus on writing and reading and all of that. We're not going to make that our main focus. We're going to make the arts our main focus. And then through that, she learned the reading and the writing and um, exactly. And just to follow her passion. And she understands, you know, you can see just even in this project that she's doing, she's not afraid to do it. You know, like there's this confidence that, 
you know, this song is in my heart and I'm just going to write it down. And she's this, this willingness to move forward. And um, so these, these struggles she had are not things that ultimately have held her back. And it has Mm -hmm. so much to do with perspective. Exactly. And I remember when she was little, she was the child who would always do things before she would think. She was a big time risk taker, just this fearless child. So impulsive. And very impulsive. I mean, she she did not have the normal fears that most kids have. Right. Just right. I mean, she was walking the edge all the time and and I'm like really struggled with this child went from about 18 months to about age 6. I mean, I, I just feel like I was constantly rescuing her. And I'm like, God, is she even going to survive her childhood? And he really spoke to me that this, she needs this type of character to do what he's called her to do on this earth. Wow. Wow. Okay. So, so I wanted to create a child without fear. That's right. So that he so now- someday. Exactly. So now she is working on this project and you are, it was just completed this last Sunday. So Palm Sunday is when it was published and it's available to be listened to, correct? And so our goal was uh, to create an audio musical. It's kind of like a radio show of the whole story of Jesus from, from, uh, from basically from his birth through the um, through the resurrection, to tell the story of you know to tell the story of Jesus, of Peter, of Mary, of Joseph, of Mary Magdalene, of Matthew, just um, and there are all these duets between Jesus and different characters, and it just is just as beautiful. Uh, sounds like I mean it's and it's not just mom. People say this sounds like. Disney, it sounds like Hamilton, it sounds like it does. It does. I've listened to it. And and they can listen to that. They can go to his story, the musical.com, which is what I'll put. And you can just put the link to the full musical in the comment and you know in uh the podcast notes. notes. Mm -hmm. And it's free. And that was her goal. She wanted to create an evangelistic tool that Christians can use to share the gospel with teens. And it's not just teens who love it. But um, her goal was to reach her generation. And so um, we had talent, musicians on five different continents collaborating to do this. She and her sister would listen to hundreds of YouTubers and pick out the talent that she wanted to be on her album. And she would contact these YouTubers and say, hey, I'm making a musical about the life of Jesus and your voice would be perfect for Peter. Would you be interested in auditioning? Wow. And so she knew. Oh, hold on. Josh and Gabe are here. Here, talk to Dorenda. Tell her about how the musical happened. Oh, hi, Dorenda. How are you? <laughs> I'm great. Awesome. We just showed up with one of the singers uh, <laughs> from got off the plane. So they're saying hi. So what was the question? What am I filling in for? Did I lose you? Hello? Yeah. Oh, no. She was just uh, she was just telling me about the the musical and just how all the um, the 
the performers were chosen and kind of how it all came together. And I'm curious to know, how did you all record uh, with people on five different continents? Well, it's the miracle of the internet uh, days. Uh, we, most of the instruments and all were recorded in Poland. And there were, there was six weeks when all of the vocalists, except for one, converged on Los Angeles and oh, wow. all recorded all in one place. And so the producer actually flew out with his equipment to LA to a studio there. We all, everybody flew out. We had a, a girl from Australia, a dude from LA that were right there in the LA area that, by the way, just happened to be, I'm not kidding, happened to be living in LA. That we oh, literally wow. found them online, had no idea where they said, We want you. They said, Great. We made the deal. And we're like, So where do we need to fly you from? And they're like, LA. Like, Great. You'll have to fly you from it. And uh, so then the only guy that did it remote was in uh, was in uh, Singapore at the time. Uh, the guy who sang um, uh, "He Cares for You." Oh wow! Anyway, so it was it was an adventure. It was an adventure. Many a year and a half in the making. That is amazing. Yeah. Well, I'm including the link so the moms can go and listen to this and check it out. Well, here is Sarah back, and excuse the interruption. No problem. Well, maybe that will add a little something special to the podcast. So, um, That's so, great. That is great. So I have a couple other I have okay. a couple other questions for you that I wanted to you to speak to the the moms um, who ha- whose child maybe has been diagnosed with dyslexia or they think it's a possibility. Um, can you just tell me the most important thing that you've learned about homeschooling a child with dyslexia, just in a nutshell? It's really easy for a child with dyslexia or any other learning child uh, learning challenge to begin to lose confidence, to feel like they're stupid, to feel like they're behind, and just to really lose hope and to begin to think there's something wrong with me. And um, if you've ever worked with a child or one of your children has something like maybe dyslexia or ADHD or maybe high-functioning autism, These children are incredibly talented in other ways. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. the problem is is that most parents and most teachers just want to zero in on the child's disability to fix that. And they miss the chance to encourage the child in their gifts and in their talents Mm. and in their ability. And so what I, what I'm now, I am so thankful that. My parents allowed me to homeschool starting when I was 13 years old because all through school, when I was in the public school and even in the Baptist school, they were always putting my weaknesses in front of me and telling me to give my greatest focus to my weaknesses. And Mm -hmm. even though I knew I loved art, I knew I wanted to be an artist. And I even when I was in seventh grade, I began doing some writing and some creative writing. And I really fell in love with creative writing. But all they did was focus on my grammar mistakes and my spelling mistakes and never Mm. appreciated the creativity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so um, my 
when my parents began to allow me to be homeschooled, it was my idea <laughs> and they gave in. Um, they, my mom said that the best thing she can do since she's starting so late in my life with my education is to focus on my strengths mm. because whatever I'm going to do with my life for my calling, my career, whatever it is, it's going to be based on my strengths and not my weaknesses. That's right. Nobody's going to go out and get a job based on their weaknesses. No, people are going to build their careers, build their lives, build their businesses, build their calling on what they love and what they're good at and what they want to do. And so right. my mom decided that she was going to focus on letting me come between, you know, those years of age 13 to uh, 17 or 18, I was going to get to focus probably 80% of all my time and energy and effort on what I wanted to become. Mm -hmm. I love that. About was focused on grammar, spelling, math, foreign language, and uh, economics. And, but it was very little, maybe like uh, just a little time every morning or maybe once a week. And the whole rest of the time, I was basically allowed to focus on my path. And I love that. And I decided that that's what I needed to do with Anna. And it was scary mm -hmm. because she wasn't going to have the same education track as all the rest of the kids. Right, right. And this is where this whole idea of, you know, being behind and, you know, this this becomes so much of a focus. And I just want to encourage moms to throw that off to the side and really, like like Sarah says, focus on your kids' strengths. And obviously, eventually, we want them reading and writing and doing basic math. But it does not have to happen on the time schedule that everybody thinks it does. Exactly. So the I was really praying about this because I was getting some grief from concerned people who love my children and thought I was failing them because they weren't on the same track as the public school kids. I was really praying about it and God spoke and I felt like he said, you know, I have millions of human beings to choose from, from among all the people who have a standardized American education that have the same skill set, the same abilities, know how to do the same things. And in your children, I need to create something unique and useful to the calling I have for them. I And basically, God spoke to my heart. I don't need another standardized child to fulfill mm. my purpose. Mm. I want you to trust me that that your my main calling from God was to raise children who would seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, preparing them to fulfill the Great Commission. Mm -hmm. And that was my heart from God as the most important thing I can do. That's right. And it was really hard to let go of that standardizing. Yeah. It is, but everything else flows out from that relationship with God and that calling to him. I, I tell moms all the time, we are we are first disciples of Christ ourselves as moms, even above being moms and wives and anything else, we are disciples of Christ. And so our job is to hear from him first. 
what does he have for us? What does he have for our children? And walk in obedience to that because God will not fail us. He is not going to, he is always faithful. It may not, that journey may not look at all like you expected or anticipated, but that's okay. And, you know, this is where, um, you know, there may be a mom out there who who has a, a, a dyslexic child or may have a dyslexic child. And could you direct them um, to, you know, if they suspect this or if they, they do have a child with dyslexia, can you direct them uh, somewhere, maybe to something on your site or, you know, some resources that they can go to? So. Um, what I've done with a lot of people who have come to me saying, I think my child is dyslexic or they can't read. Do I need to go get testing? And the, the, what we found over the uh, 10 years that we have been sharing dyslexia games with the world is that many people who see their kids will go and do dyslexia Sarah, Sarah, you're really cutting out here. Let's test again. Are you there? Oh, getting a lot of... Uh, not really. Are you in the same spot you were before? Moms who are listening, just so you know, we're recording this from uh, North Carolina, where I live, um, to Hawaii, where she lives. So you'll have to forgive some of the internet... <laughs> internet uh, faux pas here but can you yeah. hear me now and can okay can you hear me now? I can, can hear you just fine can you hear okay, me yes. now we are good all right so go back to you said since you've been in these 10 years since you've been sharing dyslexia games and, and, the, and what you, the knowledge you've gained about dyslexia you have people coming to you and asking should they be tested so if you're going to go through the whole process of having your child tested and evaluated for dyslexia, I found that a lot of times the most affordable and simple option is try dyslexia because many, many thousands of kids who were struggling with dyslexia have been able to use dyslexia games and three months later they're beginning to read and write and spell and the struggle is getting away. And so many parents have decided that well, games cleared up most of the symptoms, and my children are so they found it wasn't necessary to go through all of the testing because they this experiment with dyslexia games seemed to work. Okay. And I would probably a great percentage, really the majority, have found that. They save a lot of time, energy, grief, and money by trying out dyslexia games first. Okay, and, I think that's great. Then, yeah, it's it saves so much time and it saves stress for the child. Yes. Because when, you know, if a child's struggling to read and write and spell and the parents are starting to, like, get really worried and take them to get evaluated, the kids really begin to feel like there really is something wrong with me and they get right. scared. Right. And they begin to live out of fear and in survival mode and they begin to lose their joy. Mm -hmm. And that was something I didn't want Anna to lose her joy and her passion, her love for art and her way with numbers and her way with storytelling by having her sink into this despair that there's something wrong with you. You have, 
you know, this incurable dyslexia and you're never going to be able to be normal. Yes, it can't it cannot be the focus. And I think that's really the point of this entire podcast is uh, just giving your experience and in having worked with other people. It, need, it It's good for it to be acknowledged because obviously there's a, there's a little different journey that you have to take to help that child. But this does not need to define you. It does not define your homeschooling. It does not define your child. It is just a part of who they are. It's a part of your journey. And And it's a beautiful gift that I believe God can use to really um, help us focus on these strengths that our kids have. So in a a way, dyslexia is a gift because often, as you said, you know, we, we, first of all, we get this faith journey of pressing into God and finding out what it is we need to do for our child, but then also we get this opportunity to see the the other areas that maybe they're going to excel at that are just above and beyond what most other people would. And I love what you said about God, you know, there's all kinds of average people to choose from. God, I believe he is, he's raising up a generation, um, and I think he's doing it through homeschooling, of kids who are just incredibly unique and talented and discerning and just so many things that this this next um, generation is going to need. They're going to need these kids that we're raising yeah. because these are the kids that are going to bring the gospel like your daughter is in a in a unique way that speaks to their hearts. And, and to me, we have to be able to think outside the box. If we as the parents set the example, we think outside the box and we say, hey, this this thing that we're dealing with, we can totally do this. We can we can you know work with this. We'll figure this out, and we think out the outside the box, and we raise out of the box thinkers, mm-hmm. and that that is exactly what our world needs. And I think just a very effective way for us to bring the gospel and the kingdom of God to the next generation. It's so true, and Anna really appreciates that we didn't wait her time on conventional schooling right because right. when she when she decided that she wanted to produce this musical and she really felt called to it she really challenged us to let go of high school and mm-hmm. let her fulfill God's calling to produce this musical mm. and so she um, she really we gave her that freedom to go ahead and make this musical her senior project mm-hmm. and uh it took her you know it took her a year and a half but she she did not study math during this time except right. for managing all the money she was making right. from her best <laughs> real book. real life math the funny thing is is i've i have not made her uh focus much on math at all but she's very confident in math That's great. and um, she feels more confident in math than all her, you know, public school friends who have been through 12 years of it. Right, right. Exactly. And, um, and she's very much uh, focused on learning things that are relevant to her. She takes master classes online. She has a huge stack of uh, books teaching her 
about uh, writing novels, developing characters, grammar, vocabulary. I mean, she she has just this big collection of learning materials that are relevant to her calling, her dreams. That's right. And she is so thankful that we set her free from a standardized conventional education to be who she was created to be. And she really feels like if she was, if we hadn't let go of all those expectations of what a standardized child should be like, she would have never had the time, the energy, or the creativity to produce this musical. That's and, right. Um, and she she's now written three musicals. And... I think two or three other albums worth of music that she hasn't, I mean, she is just a mega creative producing type mm. of person. And, uh, and it's just been a joy. That is awesome. And, um, and that's just one of my children. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, we're sort of, we're in- they're equally amazing. <laughs> Isn't it? It's just so amazing. Each one is just so unique and it's just so much fun to watch them, you know, move into their calling. And, you know, I, I've had moms ask if this musical will be available for churches to use. And you had uh, told me earlier before we started recording that, yes, this will eventually be available uh, with background uh tracks and everything. So um, we'll leave the website here that people can go and they can connect with you all on that if um, they have more questions about that. And yeah, the will be produced live as a stage play uh, probably by next spring. And, and all the playbooks and all of the uh, materials that churches and small theaters need to produce the musical will be ready sometime next year and we will be releasing the background tracks like karaoke type version mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. instrumentals for churches who just maybe want to add one or two songs to their sunday service or to an outreach or to a children's program we really welcome churches to just go for it just that go ahead great. get that instrumental track and just use that music for the glory of god because uh we are in this to just make this available for uh, for Christians to use to reach the lost and to enrich people's relationship with the Lord. So we're excited. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being with us and for sharing your story and um, and also, again, I want to remind moms of the, the giveaway. So if you uh, want to leave in the comments, uh, these, are the, these are the giveaways that Sarah is offering. It's the Dyslexia Games PDF, the Series A, which is five to, about 5 to 8-year-old, the Series B, which is the 8 to 12-year-old, and Series C, which is the teens and adults. And the last giveaway is a surprise box of Thinking Tree books created by Anna. Uh, whom we've been hearing about today. So if you want any of those, uh, you can put as many as you want in the comments and we will be choosing the winner within a couple of weeks and we will be contacting you. But let's go ahead. Did you need to say something? And and a free gift for everyone is the full audio musical of his story. And it'd be just a wonderful, uh, wonderful production to enjoy with your whole family. That's great. Yes. And that's at hisstorythemusical.com. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Well, Lord, we just come to you. We thank you for every mom who's been listening, um, for the mom who's been struggling with uh, either finding out her child is dyslexic or being suspect of it. Lord, we thank you that this does not have to define who she is. It does not have to stop her from homeschooling. In fact, it's all the more reason to homeschool. Um, Lord, this does not have to define her child or her homeschooling journey. Lord, we just thank you so much that you have a plan and a purpose for each and every child. And thank you for the gift of homeschooling that we can have the freedom to allow our children to be who you've called them to be. And we just pray for wisdom and direction, uh, for clarity of heart and mind, and just a, a, a clear vision to see what it is you're doing in our kids' lives right here and right now, and to connect with that, Lord, and to um, participate in that as as our kids' as moms and, and really their biggest cheerleaders, Lord, and as their homeschooling moms. Just pray that you would give us wisdom and clear direction. I pray that you would bless every mom who is listening, and we thank you so much for this time with Sarah. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> 